In this episode of the Broken to Smokin' podcast, we continue with part two of the interview with Jeremy Lyle. Go check out episode 048 if you missed the first half of this interview. Yeah, I was gonna say turtle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so, I think it's, yeah, engineer, get her right, done, go exactly. work. You know, yeah. yeah. So probably more that executing. Yeah. So so how does so like, tell me about? I know disc has a number of different angles. Like the, there are various organizations that have kind of grabbed disc and turned mm-hmm. it into their thing. Like Wiley's one. Yeah. I know there's another one I'm forgetting right now. But what's your what's your take on disc? My honest take is I just haven't done a ton with it. I, I Does it have value, though? Do you yeah, think I think it does have value. I think when you – the places I've seen – and this is part of getting back to what I said earlier. Now I can't remember if this was pre-recording <laughs> or, or uh, once we started recording. But, but part of it is – oh, yeah, I did talk about the shiny new object piece. Mm-hmm. Like I think where I've seen DISC be most effective is places that have said we're committed to – a disc framework and we're going to be a disc yeah, culture okay. and organization. Um, so I think it does help you understand a little bit about those, those different leadership and work styles, the communication piece mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, it just, to me, it wasn't. Yeah. And, and I think part of it was just how it was presented perhaps. Um, but yeah, the, the way if people ask me about it, I say, I think it's one of those ones that if you're willing to commit to it and go deep, it can be of immense value. But if you're trying, if you're wanting to just do a more high level, get everybody assessed and understanding it, sometimes I think you can almost do more damage by just keeping it at that high level. Mm. So I, I think okay. it's something you really want to research and and make sure that it's the right fit for your culture. Um, yeah, but yeah I've, I've seen it provide immense value to places. Talk, talk a little bit about ways you've seen, and I don't know how often your clients do this with you, but where either you've seen it overtly, where somebody comes and says blah blah blah, and you're like, dude, that's weaponizing. Like, yeah. stop, you 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 moron. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not a Nate. I don't say it like that. I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the heart center, so I say, well, you may want to think about yeah, it. And, you know. That was so nice of you when you crushed your teammate. You know, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I. <laughs> So talk, I, want know, I want to know what example you're thinking of right now. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I just came back from a, uh, and I, you know, I'm like, hey, I think that's a dumb thing you're talking about, guys. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just that, that that's a great, I mean, disruptor. Yeah. <laughs> and when you're talking about like execs or principals, owners, uh, and we're talking about a $20 million business, $50 million business, whatever, it's like, guys, if you don't figure this out, this partnership yeah. or this how to fly in formation, how to work together all kinds of hell is going to break loose, yep. right? And and so they, and from at least from my role, they kind of are like, dude, can you can you rattle my chain, please? Yeah. Like, can you please grab me if I'm about to fall over this cliff? Yeah. And it takes, it's a little uncomfortable. I mean, I enjoy it, but I'm also kind of freaked out <laughs> sometimes by being, you know, pretty pretty. I don't know, punky about it. <laughs> no, but so. I think it is. And, and frankly, it's it's what I'm more interested in right now is yeah. like, how do we push teams in those kinds of ways, you know, in, in yeah. the comfort zone, getting into, you know, from green to yellow, not pushing them all the way to red. But yeah, yeah if you're not willing to have those hard conversations, yeah. if you're not willing to take sure. an honest look under the hood, then... Then this is, and, and, and again, it frustrates me because then that's where I think a lot of these assessments and different things get that, or even just our work in general gets kind of that, as one person described it. Are we allowed to swear on this podcast? Yes. Okay. But, you know, I, I was in a appreciative inquiry training certification up at Case in Cleveland, and, um, you know, one of the, the participants was going through, and she said her manager 
she was asking me, you know, just how supported I felt in going through the training and stuff and, and certification. And, and I said, well, how about you? And she said, well, not at all. My manager in a construction business. And, and he said, I don't understand why I have to pay for you to go through this huggy kissy bullshit. And mm-hmm. I do think like one of my life missions is how do I, how do I pull all this stuff out of huggy kissy bullshit category, right. soft skills, uh, you know, what do you, what do you think of when you think soft, you think squishy, you think kind of eh, yeah. negotiable yeah. as, as opposed to foundational essential yes. skill development. And this is critical. And yeah. so can you give us permission to push you a little bit if we see a pain point and, you know, I, I always say I, I need a little more Enneagram A to me cause I want to push teams a little more and say, Hey, if you don't get this right, if you're not willing to be authentic and vulnerable, if you're not willing to to dive into the conflict and explore it and, and again, demystify it and make it less about the person and more about the motivation and the, the you know, performance and expression of these things, then what are we here for? Then, yeah. then we're just going to keep doing the same kinds of things that are getting the same kinds of results. Yeah. And you brought me in to help you brought us in to help you That's right. get some different results. So let's let's get after it and, yeah. and go for it. So uh, you, you were asking about weaponizing. Mm-hmm. I think I think one of two ways. One is that label making, assumption making, just you're an eight, so I know everything about you. I know you're gonna be a jerk. I know you're going to instead of saying, hey Mark, you know, as an eight, how are you viewing this? Mm-hmm. What what kinds of things do we need to be paying attention to? What's interesting to you? What are you curious about in this? Um, so I, I think it's it's from that standpoint. I think the other weaponizing of it is as somebody starts to find their voice maybe or find their place and feel permission to finally have, and this is one of the things we hear most often with some of these things is, I finally have language to describe these things. I've always known Clifton strengths. I've always known I had these talents. I just didn't have words for it. I didn't know that getting up in, in front of a group and not you know, shaking like a leaf was a talent. I didn't know that um, being able to really focus in and dial in and like push everything out and, and get shit done. Mm-hmm. See, now you made me swear once, so I'm yeah, going to keep totally. swearing. But uh, <laughs> yeah. We got a little, what do we have, a, a duck sound or okay, something? Okay, there we go. <laughs> right, something. For the really bad words. Yeah, okay, all right. I'll, 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 I'm surprised you don't As have... you can tell, that's my favorite yes, one, so I, I probably it. won't yes, use some of the I other ones. It. But anyhow, so yeah, so I, I think it's also then as someone finds their voice and starts to find that courage to speak up, mm-hmm. if, if it's not a trusting, psychologically safe environment, they do that and then they get punished. Mm-hmm. Then they get knocked back down. And then it's mm-hmm. like, whoa, well, wait a minute. What what was the point of all that? Sure. I'm, I'm sure. not speaking up again. I'm just going to keep my head down and keep plugging away. Then an issue arises. I don't say anything. It compounds and blows up in somebody's face, literally or you know, figuratively. And everyone's saying, well, what happened? Well, you you didn't create a culture where people could talk about these things. Yeah. So. One of, this is a huge gap at the principal leaders, uh, on the principal leader's role. Yeah. Uh, and this is something I'm working on. I'm working on a book right now hmm. about, and I think it's going to be one of several, about, hey, how do you be a visionary? Like, what, is a, what does a day job of a visionary look like? <laughs> and as I'm coaching all these visionaries uh, and second-in-commands and leadership teams, you know, uh, around executing, I suppose, um, the visionary often is pretty, pretty ineffectual. Uh, I mean, they're, they're ineffectual at a certain level, which has gotten them to where they are, but they've often misunderstood how they did that as a visionary and what they actually do. Yeah. Um, uh, 
And it's it's essentially getting people to see things for one, and mm-hmm. cre- casting a vision that everybody's like, oh, we want to go there too. Yeah. So coming back to these assessments, to the if the visionary is able to cast a compelling vision and say this place here that we're trying to head to is worth executing on, it's it's super valuable. If we get there, here's all of the benefits or results or truths you know we're in this kind and i call it the land of awesome Mm -hmm. like we all want to go to a place that's awesome okay great yeah and we may have different ways of describing that but as an organization the visionary has to say this is what that ultimate destination looks like that's really the root definition of a visionary is somebody goes hey there's this great place to go this isn't it we're not in it now we got to get there do you want to get there? Yeah, I do. Do you want to get there? Yeah, I do. Well, we got to leave here. Mm-hmm. We actually have to, you know, <laughs> pack it up. Yeah. Like, well, dang, I like it here. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that's better, right? And you agree and I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, it's going to be super awkward and uncomfortable and risky and, you know, unknown and all that stuff. And they've got to paint a good enough picture where the folks that are the super essential stable folks are like, fine, I'll mail in stability. Yep for future stability. Mm-hmm. Um, and tying in these assessments, I think, to that, to yeah. say, look, we can't do that if we don't understand how we're made. If we don't understand what's under the hood right. for each of us, you know, otherwise we'll just have, you know, with the head games deal, we'll just constantly conflict. We'll constantly misunderstand each other. Right. We won't be able to be a high-performing team. Yeah. You know, you can't, if you don't understand your, your teammate enough to function at a really high level, well, then we're just going to constantly drop the ball or drop the baton or whatever metaphor you want to use. So uh, when I'm teeing up these kind of things, I'll say right off the bat, look, don't fall into the, you know, what'd you call it? The the squashy bullshit trap. Yeah, huggy kissy huggy bullshit. Kissy. Yeah. Like, don't fall, like, like you're going to feel like that, but it's not that. Yeah. It's going to help you understand what's under the hood of this other teammate. Right. And they, they're going to understand you better. Mm-hmm. We're not sure what we're going to do about it. Yeah. Just yet. But... It's definitely going to be valuable information that then we need to do something with down the road. And it's going to be super important, or at least marginally important, in getting us to that land of awesome. Well, and again, I don't know about you, but what I hear most often is, I can teach the technical side, I can't teach the essential foundational side, Um, you know, and, and I think a big part of that is because perhaps we're trying to get everybody to have the same essential or foundational layer instead of saying that's going to be very diverse. Mm -hmm. So I need to know what that diversity is so that when I go to teach the technical side, it gives me some insights and perspective on how best to do that. If you're, yeah, if you're, your Clifton strengths are showing up in a certain way or you're a certain Enneagram type, like I mentioned that example at the Akron Zoo earlier, Mm -hmm. You know, I can teach you the technical side of these flowers need watered or these plants need taken care of. Um, but if I just say, now go do it or do it in the way that I do it, um, and your core motivation is creativity, you're not going to get the best yeah. out of me. Um, yeah. So again, I, th- I think it is really important to, um, yeah, to, to take that time and, yeah. and understand those things. And yeah. Have you ever read any uh, Tom Peters? You know who he is? Excellence Dividend is uh, the book I'm thinking about. No. He is a uh, very well-known on the kind of, I'm going to say like in the Jim Collins, uh, Peter Drucker, 
kind of that high-end um, consulting, like McKinsey, Bain, et cetera, those yep. kind of like world-famous folks. He's he's in that world. Uh, Richard Koch, uh, the 80-20 principle, he's yep. in that world. Um, well, he has a great book called The Excellence Dividend. Uh, it's a terrible audio read mm-hmm. because it's, uh, it's essentially um, his entire PowerPoint yeah. collection. Mm. Um, and he, he like, he, he collects his thoughts in PowerPoints and, and writes little ditties, uh, or descriptors. And so as you're reading through it, we all know there's nothing better than someone reading directly from a PowerPoint to you. Yeah. Well, so it's his notes on the backside of the PowerPoint, I think is what it is. And so it's like, you know, 6.2.2.3, but it's these little bullet points that Mm. are just super punchy. Yeah. Um, and it's really, uh, it's really easy to just pop it up and it's, it's broken into about 12 or 13, uh, major categories Mm. and one of them being people and culture. And he's like, look, folks, people matter most. We know that you dummies that keep forgetting that, you know, good luck with that. (laughs) But we've known that like since the beginning of time, we've forgotten it a couple seasons and periods, but at the end of the day, we all know that the center of all this are some folks. And yeah. if you forget about that, you're just, you know, you're swimming upstream. Right. And um, and he's very, like, punchy about okay. about just some quips about yeah. that. All right. And I'll... one of them is PMM, people, people Matter Most. Yeah. And uh, around these assessments, this is a great place to kind of say, yeah, if you, if you don't understand people, you're in the leader. You're in the people business right. as a leader. It doesn't matter what you're making, yeah, or producing or le- or doing, yeah, right. Whether it's nonprofit, for profit, institutional, whatever, you're still in the people business. Mm-hmm. And I think this is what's really cool about a lot of the data that's coming out in the last. I, I always applaud our our co-founders because they were kind of ahead of that curve a little bit in an environment that was a little more hostile. Now we have data to back up the fact that you know, what we've known all along remains true that, yeah, people yeah. do matter. And, you know, all the stuff that Gallup's doing around workplace yeah. well-being and um, that, that it also then those are the companies that are more productive, more, uh, you know, higher performing and, and profitable. And, and so it's, I think for a while we had this false perspective of it's either or, and it's like, no, this is a both and thing. Yeah. Take care of them, do those things. And, and that was really what, where my, desire to kind of step out of that full-time work in the church world and step into this space came from was seeing my parents run that business in such a way that they took care of their people and made hard self-sacrificing decisions. I remember my dad saying, you know, as the business grew to a couple million dollar valuation and everything that, you know, all his friends were telling him, oh, you know, you ought to buy a vacation home. You ought to get this and that and all these different things. And he said, it's stuff. It's it's stuff. And if all I'm doing is just focused on me, 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 and what can I do for myself, what's the message that I'm sending to my people? So how do I give more back to the people? How do I give more back to the community and the clients? And, um, you know, and he still lived, still lived a very good life and, and a very comfortable life and everything and had incredible opportunities. But it was, it was one of those rare instances where I've actually seen a leader say, I'm going to cap how much I'm going to make and take from this business because... I want to push it back down and let them, yeah, I think oftentimes we see these like, I mean, let's just be honest. Like, I'm going to make much of myself. I want to get it so that my name's on all the checks that are going out. I want it, you know, I want my name on the building and I'm not, you know, 
squashing all of that. There, there's sure. great people that, sure. that sometimes those are just the perks in order to get into to getting behind a passion project. But I think if we make that the ultimate goal, rather than um, what I saw him do was, how about if I pay my people above fairly and give them the opportunity to give back, give them the flexibility to you know, have some agency and choose how they're going to get involved. Um, gosh, the impact of that, that then went out to yeah. their families, went out to others um, and, and got them involved in yeah, many other things. Sure. Like just the, to me, that's the, the part that, that's like, that's the societal impact. That's the uh, Case Weatherhead, you know, business as an agent of world benefit. Like that's the conversation yeah. I'm interested in. Yeah, is, sure. You know, what is this all about? And again, how Gallup's looking at some of those things and saying, yeah, our our GDP or our you know economic progress might be up and to the right, but our well-being is down and to the right. And yeah. you know, is this is this actually making us happier? Are we actually living better lives? Or in the pursuit of all these things, have we sure. missed the main point? Um, the other thing I want to just circle back to real quick on that that entrepreneurial standpoint and just entrepreneurs. So I think it could be interesting as you're looking at at that and exploring that a little bit is. Um, you know, also look at like that change strategy formula, D times V times P, you know, minus R equals C equals change. So, um, you know, demand for change. Uh, those, are, those are real. That was those a real. Are, yeah, those are real things. I'm going to spell it out for you. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> D times V times P. <laughs> okay. Uh, minus R. Wow. Or it's greater than R, I think, is okay. either one. Uh, equals C or change. Okay. But the idea here is... You know, the V is the visionary piece. It's casting that vision, letting people know, you know, the benefits of this, why we need to go there. But then you've got these other aspects of the equation, the demand for change. Some people are going to be really good at, at, at highlighting that and showing why we need to do that. Probably some of the eights and the ones. Um, you know, the P is the process and the plan. How are we going to go about implementing? And then the R is the resistance to change. And so I think as a visionary... And, and I would say it doesn't always have to be, and, and I'm sure you would agree, it doesn't always have to be the senior, you know, the CEO person. It could be, hey, I'm more of a, a planning and process person, but I know I need a visionary on my team uh, to help drive some of those kinds of things. But, uh, you know, I, I think those are all things that we need to take into account and where things like these assessments can also help us understand that some people are going to be really good at the demand side. Some people are going to be really good at the plan and process side and some people are naturally going to be predisposed to the resistance side. And I remember that when I first came on staff at, at, at Heart to Heart, someone, uh, we had a, a board member who was an Enneagram 5, you know, the analytical, uh, maybe, maybe that's the word we use is analyzer. But anyhow, you know, more objective, anal analytical. So I'd get in there as a V, visionary, you know, here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to shake things up. Here's the, the you know, vision for achieving all these things. And I'm all excited. And he'd start to poke at it. You know, well, how are we going to do that? What's the plan for it? Uh, you know, here's why I think that might be difficult and all these things. And I remember thinking like, oh, this guy's an ass. Like, what's mm -hmm. going on? And, and so eventually I, I as, as hopefully good leaders do, you know, had a conversation with him and just said, hey, seems like when I'm bringing these things up, you're kind of shooting them down and you're, mm -hmm. you know, what's going on? Do you not believe in that? Are you, are you frustrated with the organization? What, what all is going on? He said, no, Jeremy, my mom gave the very first donation to start Heart to Heart. Wow. And I believe in this mission so much that I want to make sure we've, we've thought through the specifics of these kinds of things. Because when you get out there outside the boardroom and start talking to other people about this vision, they're going to have similar questions to what yeah. I'm asking. So I want to make sure we've thought about those things internally. So again, I think it's that like we begin to understand 
we had an Enneagram one on our team. She was really good at that resistance piece. And for a while I thought, again, gosh, you're just shooting down my dreams. Well, no, I realized she believes in this vision, but she's got to know that we've thought through and, and that we have a specific plan for how we're going to get there. And, you know, Jeremy, I think you're being a little bit, uh, you know, ambitious in that side, or maybe you're not being ambitious enough. And so I leaned into those, you know, executing strengths. I leaned into that Enneagram one and said, okay, I need you to give me the data. I need you to show me the specifics of, you know, the business better than anybody else from the inside out. How are we going to get there? What, what are the roadblocks that we need to be aware of? So again, I think sometimes as visionaries, we think if the vision in and of itself is compelling enough, yeah. all those other things will just fall into place. No, right. have we taken the time to really let people poke, really let people express their concerns and yeah. you know, leverage those different strengths? Would you put, so, uh, and I'm, I'm in, really interested in a little, this little... Uh, yeah, I think it's like Richard Beckard or something like yeah. that. It's, it's like a classic change model. Yeah. And then, okay. you know, there's been Got other... Derivation. Are you familiar with the uh, uh, flywheel concept from mm-hmm. Jim Collins? Mm-hmm. It's kind of similar to this. Uh, I would would if you would you put structure in there with process, like as in, mm-hmm. hey, okay, we got this uh, demand. We there's this need out there. Uh, hey, we could this. Okay, cool. And here's how we're gonna do it. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, that, what are the systems and structures that yeah, are gonna help us okay, get there? Okay. Yeah. Organizational model. Mm-hmm. All that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I Got think it. that's that's really important. I don't know, to be honest with you, I don't know that that you know, the the format that we use gets fully into those kinds of things. And and frankly, we've had to be really careful at heart to heart to say we're not your OD folks. You know, we're yeah, not yeah, gonna yeah, sure. put the systems and structures sure. fully in place for you. You've got to figure yeah. out what those best options are for you. But we'll put yeah, some of lots those of But I, it is really important because yeah. I do think sometimes sure. it's, it's not the people, it's the system and structure right. in place that, that's prohibiting them from getting there. Yeah. A lot of times I get asked to speak into the OD part, and I'm yeah. like, well, that's not my role either. Mm-hmm. My role is to kind of go, well, who's leading the OD function here? Right. Somebody owns that. Yeah. Uh, well, it's me. All right. Well, are you the right person? Like, can we, you know, does that fit our kind of overarching strategy? What strategy? Okay. Who owns that? <laughs> Right, and it's just get them to kind of like, dang, we didn't think about any of this stuff, uh-huh. right? And then yeah. at, a, at a very macro, uh, macro right. process, yep. macro systems. Yeah, yeah. So we can we can highlight maybe some of those systems. We can help you begin to discern and understand where some of those pain points are coming from an OD standpoint. But you know, it's that's usually where we would look to hand you off to somebody else mm-hmm. and say, okay, they're going to be the ones, or say, like you said. What are those things in place already yeah. internally that, that you can leverage? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so if you were to sling together, and if, if somebody walks up and like, all right, Jeremy, tell me, just just to give it, cut it cut cut it to me straight, give it to mm-hmm. me straight. I'm gonna do three assessments. Which which three should I do? <laughs> that just kind of pair them up. Yeah. You know. So, I mean, again, part of that is hedging my bets here on on trying to or or depending on the person and what they're looking for. Um, if it's an individual, I think I would say uh, Enneagram, Clifton Strengths, and then another one that we use oftentimes is the Leadership Circle mm, Profile. Okay. Another great, uh, it's more of a 360 assessment. You do a self-assessment on kind of where you see yourself in a, a variety of leadership competencies, and then you invite 12 to 20 others in. So it's a very vulnerable experience where you're saying, hey, 
I want you to be honest about how you're experiencing my leadership and and the ways that uh, you know measures you on kind what of. What does that look like? I mean, how, how so if somebody's going to okay check? It's, this sounds like that's not an online assessment, right? Um, you actually do. You you don't go on and just take it yourself, but we're certified in that, and then can kind of open up the portal to you. But yeah, you actually do go online and okay. um, you know you fill it out for yourself. And I think it, I think again, it's 120 or 140 questions. We like these okay. more in depth ones because we yeah. think they're just more realistic. Um, Tons of research behind it. Uh, uh, I think it's Bob Anderson and Bill Adams, um, you know, mastering effective leadership, like just gurus around this stuff. The um, Full Circle Leadership used to be the name of the organization, but I think they've just moved to Leadership Circle Group. Um, but anyhow, uh, so very, very research-based. Uh, and um, so, yeah, you would want to go through a certified, uh, someone who's certified in the LCP, you take that, but then you invite, like I said, ideally 12 to 20 others kind of at varying levels of your organization. So if you're the CEO, you know, peers or other C-suite folks, uh, if you're not, then you might invite a boss or a, and a boss's boss. There's categories for that. Uh, you are going to invite peers. You're going to invite, um, you know, I, I think the language they use is subordinate, but right now I'm not, I'm not mm -hmm. uh, remembering exactly correctly. But yeah, those who direct reports, I think is, yeah. is better language. <laughs> um, so it sounds like this that. might be... And then, and then also there's like an other category. Yeah. So, hey, I might also want to throw Grandma. my partner in that or yeah, yeah or my, yeah. you know, my closest friend and just see, hey, how do yeah. they experience that? Um, is this for a bigger, a little bit bigger organization, like some, some maybe 50 to 100 or... So it can be, um, but also we have individuals who sometimes, we, we use it in mostly within our purposeful leadership program. So as I think I mentioned that earlier, you're going to get six full program days, but then you're also going to get six hours of one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching based on that leadership circle profile. And it maps onto the content that you're learning yeah. throughout the sessions. But we also have individuals who just come to us and say, hey, I'm thinking right now, one's a, a smaller nonprofit, but they had someone that they said, hey, we really want to, you know, they're having some leadership issues. Uh, we want to kind of assess where they're at and then provide some coaching for them. So it, it can be kind of a one-off type of thing. But um, yeah, you know, ideally, I think it's, it's either in, uh, you know, the setting of like a program like our Purposeful Leadership or within an organization where a whole team kind of takes it and then even looks at, uh, sometimes you can do a, a team assessment and say, okay, you know, here's how we are individually, but then as a team, we're incredibly task-oriented and not as much per, uh, 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 relationship-oriented. Um, it also measures you on both your reactive and creative competencies. So there's a, a philosophy in that that says you're, you know, when you're leading out of pure ego, uh, these things serve you. I can still be driven and get a lot done, but what are the unintended consequences? And that's one of my favorite conversations right now with leaders is what are the unintended consequences of your leadership? Yeah, that, that drivenness may serve you, mm -hmm. but if you look behind the bus, <laughs> you know, what, what's piling up behind you? What are you leaving behind? Um, as opposed to if you move that reactive tendency of drivenness into the creative side of, um, you know, systems thinker, uh, you know, uh, uh, results oriented, it says, hey, it's, you know, similar competency, but now it's serving, serving me in a more creative kind of way. And, and it gives suggestions of if, you know, you score low in that, here's some things you could try. And also the coaching kind of lets mm -hmm. you pick a couple of those things. Interestingly, I think one of the biggest areas. Um, they, they measure in authenticity, which gets broken out into integrity and courageous authenticity. And um, so they, you kind of have this inner circle and then you have an outer circle that blows some of these things up. So authenticity is the, the big piece of the pie. Then you slice up that piece into integrity and courageous authenticity. But one of the, that's the area where 
we see people landing the most. How do I show up authentically? How do I stand on my own two feet and really express my leadership in an impactful kind of way? And, and so to me, you know, I think that's really comes down to when we think about who this podcast is geared toward those, those senior level, you know, principal C-suite uh, kinds of folks is those, that, that awareness piece, that, that leadership presence piece. Um, yeah. How, how am I showing up? Um, and do people feel like they can be really honest with me? Cause I'll have sometimes leaders say like, yeah, things are great. You know? And then you start to talk sure. to the people and you're like, mm, I yeah. don't know. That'd be the opinion yeah. people. So I love a profile like the or assessment, sure. like the leadership circle profile that it says, here's what you think. Here's what others think. There's a gap between those things. Sometimes it's someone thinking way less of themselves, but other times it's more that ego side of I'm thinking much more of myself. And so, sure. okay, what might that gap tell us about sure. you know, your leadership effectiveness? And if we could close that gap, how could you be that much more effective? And actually that assessment measures your leadership effectiveness mm. too. So yeah, good, Interesting. good stuff. So yeah, so I think ideally I would give them all three of those. I'd say Enneagram, Clifton Strengths, and uh, Leadership Circle Profile, while also admitting that uh, there's bias in that, that sure. I, you know, I haven't spent a lot of time with Predictive Index, Culture sure. Index. You were telling me earlier yeah. about Colby and yeah, you know, yeah. some of these other sure. ones. So I think there's, um, you know, again, to me, it would be pick some and stick with them and at least try them out, not in a dogmatic kind of way that if they're not working, you don't abandon them, but at least give them enough yeah. time to kind of really run a full cycle in your organization. Yeah. Um, we had Alec Broadfoot on uh, Vision Spark. Uh, he's a, uh, oh, what do you call it? A staffing, uh, staffing expert. Mm, yeah. uh, they, they find, um, they attract, find, vet, uh, very specifically leadership team people. Okay. For small to medium privately held businesses primarily. But he said that they have found from from at least from their data that uh, when a team um, comes in with assessments that there's a triple triple the effectiveness of their putting the right person in the right seat mm. initially. Yeah. So they have like I think he said something like it was like 18% you know, success rate. So when you hire a person, like basically four fifths of the time, the person doesn't work out. Wow. And then when you use any assessments, he said mm. just any. Really? It really yeah. doesn't matter which ones. Yeah. From from his perspective. He has some some that he really likes. He has one that's uh, the Achiever test, which is kind of a, hmm. I think it's a little more industry specific for uh, um, search firms. Okay. And that sort of thing, but um, but anyway, when you use them, then it goes up to like I think it's fifty two percent from seventeen to fifty or whatever twenty yeah. twenty to fifty, uh, which is like wow, that's yeah, I'd that like is to see a that major <laughs> major shift. Yeah. So, and I think it's I I think it it revolves around just they have more meaningful conversations about the role, more meaningful conversations about attributes, more meaningful conversations about gee, is this really all the, is this your sweet spot? Like, yeah. here's, here's what the thing is. And what, you know, what are you good at? You know, yeah. and, 
I think he was it him who said. Uh, well, I'm looking at you. You weren't here when we did it, Shane. You were on vacation. Yeah, but I edited. You edited. Things, that's right. So I there listened to it many <laughs> times. Yes, yeah, so you listened to it more than I did. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's. Um, yeah, it's uh, just that they're you know folks are bad at interviewing and mm-hmm. recruiting and and so forth. As well, well, so I think to that point too, though, of like, I think sometimes maybe we think we're looking for that perfect hire or that, and, and why I said I think sometimes you have to be careful with sure. assessing before the hire. But if you do it afterwards, if, you, if, if it has a good feel to it and you have some more of those kind of qualitative kinds of things of just, you know, is this someone that I could actually see myself working well with? And do they have some yeah. of that, you know, kind of dynamic? Yeah. Then, then the assessments do allow you to craft a little bit, to, yeah. to even do, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm hearing more and more about is stay interviews and just say, sure. you know, what's really energizing you in your work? What's depleting your energy? What are the things you most enjoy? What are the things sure. you least enjoy? And, and so to say, um, yeah, you know, you may hire somebody for a specific task, yeah. uh, but, and, and they can get that done, but if they're wanting, let's just say they're more in the executing domain on Clifton Strengths, um, or sorry, they they you hired them more for the executing domain. I need you to accomplish these specific tasks, but a lot of their strengths are in that relationship building. Well, again, how do we create some opportunities for them to experience that? We find that a lot at Heart to Heart of, there's really only a number of us who go out and do the direct facilitation. Our board, because it's such a, you know, really, and we have, Participants, not our own language, but participants say it's kind of a sacred space. You know, we create a field where people show up and can really be the, their authentic selves and let their guard down. So if you let a board member or an outside observer come in, it, it kind of changes the dynamic. Oh, somebody's kind of observing us. I don't know if I want to let my guard down quite as much. Whereas, um, you know, but but how do we create then those touch points for our board members, for team members that maybe are kind of more behind the scenes? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think similarly to understand, yeah, you know, we had one person who was really far in the executing and like, she was okay with just tell me what I need to do. Let me get my job done. Yeah. Celebrate and and reward and appreciate what I'm doing and help me see how it connects to the broader mission. But I don't need to go to every event that's happening in the community. Whereas others might say, yeah, I want to get that task done and I find fulfillment in that. And I want to find some connection. I want to know, I want to experience maybe a program. If we do a community program, can I attend and those kinds of things. So again, I think it just gives us some of that texture and nuance that allows us to be more curious and and explore those things with our uh, employees and and with those that we're leading. So yeah, that's, yeah, you'll have to, I'd love to see that information Mm -hmm. because that would be really helpful to share with people. He'd be a great guy for you to. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you say? Alex Broadfoot. Alex Broadfoot. He's down in Columbus. Uh, We'll connect you up, but uh, yeah. He's, I've known him for a while, done some work with him. Yeah. My, my problem is every time I talk to you, I come away with more books to read and, you know, more people to connect with. And <laughs> That's a problem, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yes. If, you, if you saw my bookshelf and the, oh, the, yeah, you know, the list it. of unread books, you'd, sure. you'd know why. <laughs> I get it. No, but it's, I love it because it, yeah. it does expand those horizons. Dude, the audio has made all of this. 90% of my reading is, mm. is, is accomplished because of audio, at least, or three quarters. Yeah. I mean, it's a, as a significant majority. So. Okay. Yeah. See, I have um, like a eight minute commute to work. And yes. Just, yeah. It's one of the things I like about my half hour commute. Uh, you know, yeah. it's right on the edge of, of it's, it's almost a little long, but it's, it's just right. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Yeah. For that purpose. I'm reading right now. Um, 
that uh, Adam Grant think again. Okay. Uh, somebody uh, uh, has been telling me, a client has been telling me for like a year to read this thing. <laughs> I finally got around to it. So I think you and I talked about this of like my rule has become, unless I hear about it from two or three people, yes. like if just one person recommends it, I'll, I'll, I'll write it down. But then yeah. if I start to hear about it, like from multiple people yeah. who I trust and respect, then it's like, okay, now I think it's worth yes. adding to the pile sure. and, and knowing that I'll probably read the first, sure. you know. 80 pages yeah. and then lose interest and move on. So how do you, how would you suggest, uh, and I know this is, this isn't easy to answer. Uh, I don't know how to answer this either. That's why I'm asking you if you get <laughs> a great ideas. setup, <laughs> you know, uh, but as, as I've been doing these episodes lately around assessments and then looking at clients through that lens a little more, a little more intensely lately, mm-hmm. um, you know, this whole idea of character, this whole idea of, you know, your, I don't know, guiding principles, if you will, or your, you know, personal core values, perhaps, yeah. or, you know, this is a Ray Dalio uh, s- statement is what are your guiding principles? And, mm-hmm. and, and as he's talking about it, it's, it's, it is character, but it's also around, you know, why are you trying to grow wealth or trying to be substantial person for what reason, you know, yeah. what is it that's, and, and also what are your guiding principles, maybe strategically, um, that helps you to decide whether or not you're going to do, you know, a certain event or certain maybe investment or maybe endeavor. Mm-hmm. And as I ask people this, uh, I just came back from a weekend with, uh, three different clients, you know, back to back, not a weekend, five days trip, six day trip. Okay. And each, each of them, had a different, I would say, a different set of guiding principles. Mm-hmm. You know, three totally different companies, uh, all in the tens of millions mm-hmm. of revenue, significant leadership roles, significant moving parts in the business, and they all have, as principals or owners or founders, really different reasons uh, personally mm-hmm. to be growing these businesses or, yeah. or leading these businesses. And um, – and Sometimes, uh, and I try to vet a client a little bit if I if I can, and try to understand, gee, what's driving them, uh, and if they're, I don't know, icky, you know, if they're like money, 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 yeah. you know, it's like I, I, I'm just I'm not your guy. That's the other song you know? we can play. Shane. Yeah, there you, you know, go. Money, money, money. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, so, no, I, should not, I should not subject your audience to hearing me sing. I cannot <laughs> well, carry a tune. And I'm a card carrying member of uh, the Brotherhood of Alpha. Uh, Delta, 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 Delta. So, you know, you say that, you know, start singing. I'm like, oh, what, what song? You know, squirrel. You know, off I go on that tangent. So, um, but yeah, what do you? How? How? Do you, have you seen any character like hacks in <laughs> in uh, interviewing? Like, you know, um, I mean, of course, you know, checking references is yeah, kind of yes. the old fashioned mm-hmm, one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a big there's one a reason why it top grading. Stays. You know, yep. it's like, mm-hmm. hey, you got to talk about, hey, we're going to check your references, yeah. buddy. We need some good ones and we're going to call them. Yeah. Um, so that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other, what about other ones? I, I think part of what you talked about is you as an individual and the organization. What are, and, and I kind of like that language of guiding principles rather than core values, doesn't really matter. It's down mm-hmm. to semantics, but I think sometimes core values can feel a little bit like 
these are my core values, or we do an exercise where we have you write down your core values and your kind of personal person purpose or mission mm-hmm. statement. And I would say, write it in pencil. Mm. This isn't something that has to be etched in stone forever. These will be my values, or this will be my per- personal mission, or even the organizational mission statement. You know, it's, mm-hmm. those things adapt and change. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it's really knowing the organizational side of those things. So. Mm-hmm. What are those guiding principles that are going to direct and uh, give that you're all about? And then I think you can interview to those things to say, Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about your guiding principles and your core values. And as you do that, then you can begin to look at, is there alignment here? You know, if if we're all about, uh, you know, curiosity and this person is saying that mine is about certainty or something well you know maybe maybe the this isn't going to be the best match or you at least gives you something to kind of base Mm -hmm. it on so i do think really being clear about your own personal guiding principles and about those guiding principles slash core values of the organization give you something to kind of measure against um yeah, and then I, I do think sometimes asking for specific examples too as you're interviewing. Um, you know, tell me about a time using that appreciative inquiry approach, if you will. Uh, I guess I'm certified in that, so I'm, I'm kind of biased toward that again as well. But you know, think of a time when, or tell me about a time when, uh, you know, you had to make a tough decision that that maybe kind of highlights how they would navigate a situation yeah. where those core values get. Um, I think there's a TED talk titled something along the lines of doing core values. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one thing to have them, as we yeah. talked about earlier, written out, but it's another thing to really yeah. do them. And uh, as you mentioned, our buddy Josh over at FSM earlier, but like I know they've really built things around. Um, one, to say, um, and I think of also someone, uh, Rita Boswell over at Environmental Design Group, who said, you know, this this whole idea of, and I can't remember where she got it from, but was talking to me about, uh, you know, if you say we have a unique culture, everybody says they have a unique culture. Mm-hmm. Tell me exactly what it is. Yeah. How does that right. get lived out when when push comes to shove and we're at each other's throats? Yeah. What are the things that are going to anchor us in that? So again, I think you can give people a scenario-based kind of thing that says, uh, you know, tell me about a time when you lived out one of those guiding principles or when one of those was tested or how would you handle a situation like this? So I I think that's Mm -hmm. another way uh, to do that. And I I think I, you know, had a squirrel moment where I I moved away from Josh Gordon. But, you know, what I know they've done is they've created these really, I think like furiosity is one of their core values. And I love like... It, it it in and of itself makes you wonder what it's about. Sure. So it allows you to define it a little bit, and then they also reward it. And I think they give little you know gift yeah. certificates and things like that, which yeah, yeah. which I also think is really interesting. Gallup just released some stuff on, um, you know, celebrating people's strengths once a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, don't don't just wait to the till that year end kind of thing, mm-hmm. but you know, give those encouragements along the yeah. way. So how do we bake those things? Sure. So anyhow, that that's where I think I some of the the character piece comes in and mm-hmm. in addition to the references, in addition to, yeah. um, you know, really knowing your own guiding principles yeah. and core values is, is giving yeah. some scenario based kinds of things. I like the, uh, Lencioni's, uh, ideal team player mm-hmm. as a, that that's a kind of an easy way to pop the lid on, on character. Yeah. Uh, cause he's got, what is it? Um, Oh, I'm drawing a blank now with the three, the three are, um, but it's it's around it's kind of around these head heart mind mm. um, and also uh, Angela Duckworth talks about them they're they're the kind of 
could be kind of around cognitive, cognitive, and affective, okay. perhaps, or will, you know, character of the will, character of the of the intellect and character of the of the heart. I think yeah. is how she breaks it up. Okay, it's a psych- tell me tell me a little bit more about that. I'm not familiar with that language. Well, so and these are well, maybe maybe people have heard yeah, about that, but they're psychological kind of in the psychology world. In your, I don't know, maybe in your psyche or in your the way you process and in in, a, in the the processing kind of makeup of a human. So it's not how you. It's not just your brain. It's kind of the collection of your kind of conscious self. Um, there's here's how you process intellectually. Yeah. Uh, here's how you process, or here, here's how you execute a process. Um, and I would that be cognitive, EQ, uh, IQ, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Affective, like how do you sensory, uh, how do you feel, how do you mm-hmm. process emotionally, and then um, and then. Um, uh, the uh, conative is how do you kind of execute, how okay. do you kind of get things done. Anyway, so in in ideal team player, he's got a bunch of interview questions, yeah. and this kind of what is that? The Venn diagram um, is the is the format, yeah. And you go around and answer, and he, it basically uh, he gives you you want you want find find people that are have evidence of all three of these yeah. uh, values. Okay. Um, and then if there's just one, he says, well, this is what this kind of person is. And I'll shoot, you know, if the, and if there are two, it's something also bad, you know, like one was the, uh, skillful politician. Mm. Um, I just, can you look them up? I, yeah, I got to look the, it up. I the can't three, remember. uh, the three, cause it, that would really help the, this conversation, but oh, I but, didn't know we could have Shane doing research for us. I could have been, yeah. you know, there you what, go. Did I, what did I say about that Enneagram? Tell yeah. Me. So, uh, it's, and there's a number of, like I said, up, up like two or three pages of, of interesting, um, interview questions. Okay. But, and that's a separate book. Uh huh. Ideal team from, player. Okay. Yeah. That's what it's called. It came out before, uh, a few books before okay. that other one. Yeah. yeah. The one I can never remember. Five Dysfunctions? No, the uh, uh, Six. Genius. Uh, yes, or, yeah. that one. Okay. I can never remember that title. Yeah. So I was at a Lencioni conference. and met him uh, actually in 2020, uh, February, March of 2020. Probably and not March. <laughs> well, it was early it was, March. <laughs> it, was like, it was like we thought it was, was going to get canceled. Okay. It was like March 9th or something. I mean, we all have this like... Big black line. That event is ground zero. And we were like, we were in the gray zone. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was in Texas. It was at the Gaylord uh, in Dallas. This giant, this place was so big. Yeah, I've been there, I think. It was so big. Is that in Plano? Is that like a little bit outside of Dallas? Yeah, outside of Dallas. Yeah. It's so big. I got lost (laughs) trying to check in. I mean, I literally, I'm walking around with my suitcase going, I must have missed something. Because there's these little towns yeah. and these creeks. It's all indoors, yeah. you know. And I'm like, man, am I am I in like Willy Wonka's chocolate uh-huh. factory or something? <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to check in. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, you know, it's big if you miss the front right. desk. Yeah. You know, I'm like cr- for crying out loud. So, <laughs> but it is Texas. Everything's bigger in Texas. Yes, right? yeah. Were yes. you talking about humble, hungry, smart? That's it. Ah, That's it. Humble, okay. hungry, and smart. Yes. That's right. Okay. I so, am with that so it's a Venn diagram, yep. right? And so if you're humble. If and you're only just humble. only humble, that's the pawn. Yeah, you're a pawn, Ooh. right? It's really fat. It's fabulous. It's if super you're easy. Only hungry, that's the bulldozer. Okay, and if you're only smart, the charmer. Okay, and then if you're, well, give, so give me the the two then. So humble and hungry. I didn't put it on this one. 
There's a yeah, there's a crossover. Yeah, here it is. Okay, here we go. Um, humble and hungry is the accidental mess maker. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> right. I also just realized like I should have had Shane answer everything for me because he's got yeah. a great great voice. It's yeah. this mic. Yeah, this is a really cool oh, mic. Yeah. Uh, okay. Hungry and smart, you're the skillful politician. That's what you're talking about. Okay. Yes. And then smart and humble is the lovable slacker. <laughs> That's me. Yeah. That's, great. That's me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Should we should we talk about that later? Yeah, we'll we have a little. I'll just I'll just you know kind of Homer yeah. Simpson into the shrubs here and let yeah. you guys. Uh, well, his you know, his uh, three year reviews coming up here. Ruh-roh. We skipped the first and the second one. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, there are other things. Oh, so, there you go. Yeah, okay. That's no, that's, a, it's, that's it's really interesting. Yeah. And there's a yeah. there's a lot of great downloads. It's super easy. Okay. An entrepreneur just grab and go. It's it's yep. not. It's a it's high speed, low drag. Yep. And I love that kind of yeah. stuff where it's hey, how do we plug this in very easily? I was just yes. talking to someone this morning. Um, they're gonna be working with me on some facilitation. They've done some stuff through Giant Worldwide. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but you know some things around communication and just. You know, are you more collaborative? Are you more competitive? Well, maybe that's not the right C, but, you know, there's five C's or something. It's like, yeah. again, how do we simplify some of yeah. these things and just, sure. yeah, I like that. Grab and go and apply it in yeah. any situation and circumstance. So, well, so when yeah. I was at this conference um, and they had, he had their, uh, he had the uh, executive team from Southwest Airlines. Oh, yeah. He had Alan Mulally who used to run Ford. Okay. He had the uh, Los Angeles Rams, is it? Hmm. The football team? Yeah. Their uh, head coach. These are all clients of his. Okay. And he had, uh, shoot, who else did he have? Um, A couple other people I'm drawing a blank on. But one of the things he talked about was interviewing. Mm. And he gave a couple examples of how he accidentally interviewed well somebody for his organization and one for his his wife, I think, has some some nonprofit um, um, that needed a, you know, significant person and he and his wife's like will you interview interview this person and something came up and um he had to fly across country for something some i don't know what and he's like well would you come along with me i want i got to do this trip it's going to be a two-day thing it's kind of like otherwise i can't help you or we can't do this thing so so this person came along person that they're interviewing yeah yeah (laughs) Just like, hey, let's just be clear. I don't know that I would say that's a great, you know, general policy, but right. yeah, in this case, yeah. okay. And um, and like the whole trip like fell apart. It was okay. one of those deals where flights got missed. They had to hit hotels that they didn't plan on, you know, and and all this sort of thing. And he said, "Man, all this character came out, or lack of mm. character that mm. came out. They looked great on paper." Yeah, uh, and and in you know experience and all that stuff, but it, he's like we would never would have known any of these little mm. kind of glitchy spots. Yeah, uh, that that you know, so he was like, look, do another thing. He said is uh, find out all kind of other weird ways to interview. Like go to a uh, so he was coaching his son's little league team, and he needed to do an interview with somebody. Yeah, and he's like, well, come on with me. And and he just kept he would take people and he's yeah I love it that's what I was thinking like you know when I mentioned earlier the uh, you know security check at the, yes. the airport yes. like maybe that's the best place to do an interview yeah. see how right. they react right. to although I, I probably wouldn't have gotten any of the jobs I've gotten so maybe yeah. maybe not but you'd yeah. be amazed at how many people interview uh, from a pool of one mm. where they're just like look we've got we're gonna 
you know, or they don't do any background checks. They right. don't any reference checks of any sort. No, you know, just nothing. Yeah. They're just straight up, you know, I, so I used to be. Yeah, I remember like, doing that with someone and I, I called one of the references and she was young and we were kind of like, yeah. you know, hey, are we taking a risk on this person? And he was like, get this person. Mm. She is a rock star. Mm. You will not regret. I've yeah. worked with her. You know, it was like, yeah, okay, that's all right. Yeah. That was one of my big takeaways not. from top grading. Mm-hmm. Uh, top grading is an impossible read. But uh, but I did it somehow. It was through Audible. Right? Okay. Um, so it took it took me two about, and a half times. It was about know, let's speed see. Or something. Yeah. yeah. No, well, right. it was it was like it was a uh, thirteen hundred mile read. Ah, there you go. Okay. It's probably more than that actually. Now I think about it. But the the thing is like eight hundred pages. It's ridiculous. Okay. Um, I don't it's, think it's that uh, bad, but it's a lot. Brad Smart, did you read, you read part of it or yeah. all of it? I can't remember. Yeah, it's it's not eight hundred, but it's not. It <laughs> no. felt like it. Yeah. <laughs> So don't burst my bubble. <laughs> <laughs> I looked it up one time when you said that. Yeah. Like, well, it was 120 pages. It's like, <laughs> it's like 760 or something. Oh, oh God. So Shane's a, Shane's a one, you know, on the, you know, whatever, Enneagram. So the, but the, the, the there's matters. two big takeaways. And one was um, do, you know, do your research. Like actually call their references, right. you know. And all the HR people in the world Every time I try to pitch this, I have a little hack for recruiting that I call the uh, recruiting flywheel, mm. right? So these five steps on the flywheel. Yeah. It all starts with culture. And we're talking about culture. And this is from Lencioni mm-hmm. and from Southwest Airlines, a couple others. Um, or we're not even talking about the job. Hey, we're assuming you can do the job and you're assuming you would like doing this job. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's just start, start with that. Yep. And then you go through... Culture, 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 like the first four steps. Uh, but in one of the steps, you're going, hey, we need to talk to the people who know you. And there's this little, you got to do this little side note, side thing. And Alec Broadfoot does this and okay. and it skirts or it, fall, it becomes HR compliant, if you will. All the HR folks in the room always are like calling bullshit every time, like, Nah-h! you know, and they go off. Like now I know I know get it so uh, before I pitch the thing I'm like HR raise your hand you're not gonna like this okay okay just 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 you know plug your ears or something this isn't your gig anyway and a lot of times HR gets saddled with recruiting right and it needs to go to it, it, in some ways to the visionary mm-hmm. where they're going it's my job to attract people to this organization yeah you know if we have this great you know mission then go get some people that want to be with us, right. you know, go, you know, go, how often are you out in the, in the community talking about where we're going? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times day job of visionary, like they don't know, they're like, really? I, I thought I was going to help solve problems. Like, no, go, go cast the vision. Yeah. And that will make people come to us. Hopefully mm-hmm. then we can HR on and stuff. But anyway, um, it's that thread of reference checks, but, but the, uh, Alec Broadfoot says, and, and, Brad Smart says the way you do this is you have the candidate get a hold of their former bosses. Mm-hmm. You're not doing it. They're doing it. Oh, the candidate's doing it. Okay. And the candidate's going, hey, boss, former boss, will you be willing, are you willing, or I give you permission. Like, mm. here's their number. They actually mm. connect them together. Yeah. So it's overt. It's permission-based. And then it's not like, yes, we're affirming um you know, former employment, yeah. you know, which is the legal part. Right. 
And you're not talking to their HR person. You're yeah. talking to their their manager. Yeah. Whomever that may be. Mm-hmm. And the key, the truth about around A players, and he defines A players in, in top grading. Um, and A players are free, by the way. All A players are free. Say more about that. So free. they bring tremendous value yeah. to the organization. Uh, B players and C players have a cost. They they have a they they cost you something. Hmm. A players bring tremendous return on investment. Okay, gotcha. you see what I'm saying. And so their paycheck is irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he defines they're A humble, players. hungry, and smart. That's right. right. Yeah. Well, that's right. And they fit, and they're in in. And he defines it like as in your marketplace, top ten percent performers in this role in your marketplace. Uh, at a given pay grade in this region or in this slice of the market or whatever. Um, and then one, one of the things he says that's always true about Abe, and this is all a bunch of data stuff from, from Brad Smart, um, is um, that A players' former bosses really wish these people were still working yeah. for them. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he's like, that's why you want to call them up yep. and, and find out. Like, and if they're like, yeah, you know, good luck with that guy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. You know, and uh, anyway, that's it's hard for these uh, entrepreneurs to figure out how to uh, create a process and execute around mm-hmm. these ideas. Yeah. Uh, so, but anyway, no, talk, we talk we just had a similar something. experience where we were it wasn't a hiring situation, but something we were looking at inter or references and and trying to vet between a couple different uh, you know vendors and mm-hmm. and yeah, those references were crucial and mm-hmm. and there were. There was one that stood out as, "Hey, here's we've we've utilized their services and we've continued to utilize." And there were others that were said we started to utilize and we didn't finish the process. And like to me, that was a huge red flag. So again, yeah, yeah if that person yeah. and that was kind of that person I mentioned earlier uh, that we ended up hiring was, yeah, that person's like, yeah. "I wish I wish I had her still and yeah. twenty five more of hers." Yeah, so, right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Interesting. So tell me about your, and I love asking these, this question specifically, and I teed you up on this. Usually I don't. Oh, okay. Um, and by the way, since you're a, a, a ecumenical, ecumenical uh, brother, <laughs> um, I had an interview. Not was an interview. It was, um, and I said this, I think, was I talking to, I was talking to uh, David Quick about this, I think, or something. But anyway. About what? Top five books. Oh, Des- yeah, Desiree yeah, 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 books. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. So I was on a, um, I was on a two-day annual uh, uh, off-site meeting with a team. Okay. And had worked all day, got to dinner time. We're having dinner, you know, afterwards at some place. And there was a potential C-suite hire that the visionary decided, wouldn't it be great if this person showed up since we're all together? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of relaxed and we'd gone they'd gone through a couple the of rum interviews. is flowing and, yep yeah. yep sure and <laughs> so you know i'm like well, i don't know i guess that's fine yeah i mean i don't know yeah it sounds sounds great to me boss i mean sure so uh this individual shows up and the team proceeds to talk with them we have two hour conversation at, around dinner and I'm just kind of, you know, doing the ping pong head, you know, like, and, and it's, you know, it's all around um, industry stuff. And do you know this guy or that guy? I remember this folks or that folks or this software, or that software. And I'm super bored, you know, um, and tired 
because I've literally given it my all right. and I, I gave it the office, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, uh, and it's like eight o'clock at this time. And I've been going since six in the morning. Yep. I got to go hit the hotel, mm-hmm. get up and do it all again the next day and really bring my A game. Right. Yep. And I'm just like, man, guys, can we change the subject, please? <laughs> like, I'm so tired of talking about this, this industry. Tactical. You know, yeah. yeah. Stuff that's and I'm like, I got a question. You know, can I, and just kind of just took a whole left turn on the conversation. And I think they're ready to anyway, yeah. but. And this was my somebody please save us. Yeah, this. and this was my eight coming out. I'm like, well, here I'll do it, you know, and just just yank the steering wheel. Yeah, so I'm like, hey, dude, what's your uh, five favorite books? If you're gonna go on a desert island deal, and that's my conversation starter, yeah. and it always goes somewhere interesting. And he's like, yeah, uh, some business, like literally said, some business guy that he wrote four or five books. I would take four of his books. I'm thinking forever. On a desert island? Are you serious? Like, this isn't... Like, what would you need them for? Right. Right? Well, I did what think enterprise about that. are you still right. right. Well, You know, for the rest of my life, I want to be thinking about business stuff. Like, why? Like, it's over, dude. You know? <laughs> okay, good. I feel better about my list then. Yeah. And then and then he goes, um, and I take the Old Testament. Yeah. I'm like, huh. Old Testament. And I'm like, in my mind, like the wheels start, I'm like, why, why did he say Old Testament? Yeah. Why didn't he say the Bible? Yeah. Why didn't he say the whole, the, and then wait, oh, maybe it's not the whole, maybe he's Jewish. And he would, and then, no, he wouldn't say the Old Testament if he's Jewish. Yeah, right. You know, he'd say the Torah, the Torah yeah. right? Like, what the heck? I'm like, something's up here. Mm-hmm. Like, I So I'm like, hey, can I... Can I do a follow-up? He just <laughs> loves Leviticus. Yeah, I'm, loves that's Mark, what I was thinking. Mark's got a poke like, at it. I'm like, you know? really? Leviticus or something? And so I'm like, which which part of the Old Testament? You know? Yeah. And I even threw on the table, like, I really love Proverbs. Yeah. And if I were to take one chunk of the Bible, I would take Proverbs. Yeah. You know, if I could if I could only take one. Mm, that's, that's a great question. Yeah, yeah like it's a great question. Book. Yeah. Mm. And I've thought about it. I'm like, yeah, Proverbs all day. Boom. I'm like, so I'd take Proverbs. What would you take? Yeah. He's like, dude, the book of Mark. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, what is going on here? And I'm like, we have just entered another territory, <laughs> you know? And I'm like pumping the brakes and yeah. hit, trying to hit reverse. I'm like, okay, guys. like, we should wh- clarify for our list, for the listeners, you know, that's the New Testament. Mark yeah. is in the New Testament. Not in the Old Testament. Not in the Old Testament, yeah. Well, and it sounded so smart right up until that uh-huh. point. It sounded so kind of like intellectual or... You know, and what was the reaction around the room? They looked at me, and they looked at him, <laughs> and these are not, you know, these folks are not, you know, church-going folks. Yeah, uh, I would say, uh, although they have some history. Okay, and even so though enough basic knowledge to yeah. know Got the some context. Between, yeah. And so the next day, the visionary is like, Mark falls. he's like, I'm no angel, but uh, even I know, <laughs> you know, I mean, he goes to church like twice a year. Yeah, to a C and E, right? Yeah, Christmas and Easter. That's right, C&E, mm-hmm. and, it's a, and it's a very, I would say, very groovy, uh, new agey kind of, which is, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. I'm not, you know, saying anything about that. But but even he knew that yeah. it wasn't right. in the Old Testament. And so it, it created this uh, significant conversation around the candidate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was really interesting. And they were like, how did you know to ask that? Like, I didn't. 
I was just goofing around. I yep. mean, I literally was bored, tired, discouraged, or not discouraged, but just ready to, like, can we just end yeah, this? Yeah, get back to my room and, and get ready and for Can we talk about something interesting? All so this. how did he, I mean, did you press him on that and say, like, Well, we all kind of, we got to this place. He, no, I didn't ask him the, about the New yeah, Testament, okay. Old Testament thing. It was just, it became real clear real fast that he didn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, okay, you're BSing and, us. Yep, and we all were like, hey, sh- we should change the subject now, mm-hmm. you know, just for... Although I feel like that's like a really risky... Yeah. You know, like if I'm going to fake something, I'm probably not going to throw the Bible out there. Yeah. I'm probably going to throw like just, you know, some random yeah. book or something. moon rocks or yeah, something exactly. that nobody knows about. <laughs> when I was driving on the moon... Uh... <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. That's a pretty, yes. pretty easy one to, yeah. you know... So, so yes. your five desert five island. Okay, books. so you were All generous right. to me and let me let me tee this up a little bit and think about it because I did have to think about it and it was one of those like, yeah, I should we we're talking about leadership, so I should talk about leadership books. But then I got to thinking like, yeah, but I don't what I care about leadership if I'm on a deserted island That's and right. you know what are the so which I probably should have thought more about like survival guides and things like that and um, yeah. but I guess more in the sense of like. I love to read broadly, although I don't read a lot of fiction, but I read broadly as far as subject matter goes. And I think that's that's a great, you know, attribute of a leader. I, I think about my dad oftentimes. He didn't have anything more than a high school education, but his bookshelves were stocked with, uh, you know, reading broadly and just different perspectives and all that. So he, he continued his education uh, in his own kind of way. But, um, you know, so for me, it was more like, since I read broadly and, and I don't tend to read books twice, what are books that I've like gone back to a ton of times? Yeah. I mark my books up. I can't get into digital readers. That's where I struggle with the auto, audio books because I'm like, I want to mark it up. Sure. I want to put stars yeah. and questions and underline and all those different things. So one that I've read several times that I think was really a game changer for me was a book titled Surprised by Hope. So you're going to see, see a little bit of my theological education in here. Uh, Surprised by Hope by N.T. Wright. And I think he just casts in that um, a vision of the future and, and from, you know, my Christian perspective, uh, 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 vision of what heaven is actually hmm. about and that it's about, um, you know, bringing the best of who and what we are now into that rather than mm-hmm. kind of this janky, you know, here's your harp and go sit on a cloud and play yeah. that for eternity and be sure. bored. And, you know, to me, I guess maybe that's the Enneagram 3 in me, but I'm like, yeah. you know, <laughs> does hell have a work assignment or something? You know, maybe I'll... No, yeah, yeah. just kidding. But anyhow, um, so I think he just casts such a beautiful vision of what that future yeah. looks like and like yeah. bringing the best of humanity and our 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 purpose and our co-creation and how the very work that we do now impacts that. Um, and, and is a, a signpost and a foretaste of that and, mm-hmm. and just frames it up how we've gotten it all wrong. You know, kind of, I think the subtitle is something like rethinking heaven and something, 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 but, you know, mm-hmm. kind of, I, I like those disruptor yeah. kinds of things that make us rethink things. Um, s- kind of in that vein, saying in that theological vein, uh, Kingdom Calling by Amy Sherman was another one of those books that helped me uh, really realize, and, and frankly, was part of what drew me out of the full-time work in the church to say, uh, and, and I was in an interim period between working in the church, doing some community development and all that, um, and then starting Heart to Heart, part of a national organization called Made to Flourish, and the, kind of their tagline was closing the Sunday to Monday gap, you know, uh, and so part of her thing in there is 
this idea of, and I love the language of vocational stewardship. So what is my sense of vocation and how am I stewarding that? Let's revisit that. Let's come back to that. Let's, let's analyze and assess. I was just listening to Adam Grant's, uh, one of his podcasts today, where he interviewed one of his former mentors, and they were talking about the projects that we work on and just, you know, all these different things that kind of play into that. But this idea of like, you know, I'm stewarding, you know, in, in my worldview, a relationship with God. I'm stewarding my relationship with my wife and my children. I'm stewarding my relationship at work. I'm stewarding my relationship with my community uh, and the, the broader world. Let me be really intentional about kind of those four categories and what am I doing intentionally in each of those to, to be um, as, as the, the organization that funded my seminary education, that they were, they generate power generators was their mm-hmm. thing. Waukesha, yeah. Wisconsin, you know, sure. um, but you know, their whole thing was kind of, I think, uh, I think it's first Corinthians four one. I've always been bad at, at references, but you know, uh, think of us in this way as, um, servants and stewards of God's mysteries, you know? So again, that, that language of stewardship, like how do we, uh, if we, if we think about, all is gift. Life is a gift. How are we stewarding those kinds of things? And Amy Sherman says, it, you know, if you're lucky and fortunate and privileged enough, it could be through your day-to-day work. But if it's not, then how do we find other ways to creatively engage and say, sometimes it might be in spite of your work. It might be, hey, this is what's paying the bills, but here's some other ways that I can give back and find meaning and purpose and get involved and engaged. And so I think she just... It's very intellectual and just frames it up in a, a broader context um, and kind of flows from that kingdom vision that, that N.T. Wright gives. Um, another disruptive book for me was The Prophetic Imagination by Walter Brueggemann. And to me, that was the book when I was actually going through seminary, taking a class on the Old Testament uh, prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, not Mark, uh, the New <laughs> Testament. But, um, but realizing... That it wasn't, I think sometimes when we hear the word prophetic, we think like apocalyptic or these future predictions and all that. And it was like, no, you're freaking selling people for a pair of sandals. You're, you want to lay on ivory beds and you're oppressing your people. And um, so it brought it into this very like social justice, Mm -hmm. real tangible aspect for me to say the prophetic imagination envisions a different future and challenges people to live into that and calls people into something better and different and says, you know, you may think this is success. You may think this is benefit and blessing. Let me flip that on its head and show you the underbelly of this, of who's being impacted by that. So that, yeah. that took me into a lot of interesting exploration and discovery around um, just wanting to understand diverse perspectives and, 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 you know, again, I think sometimes how the diversity, equity, and inclusion has gotten really politicized, but to say, how do I listen to those marginalized voices? How do I put myself in places where I'm in the minority as a, a cisgendered white male that easily could just traffic in, in spaces where I am the majority voice and, and got me really involved in uh, anti-trafficking work and just, you know, a, a broader understanding and knowledge of the, the bigger impact of the choices that we make on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, yeah, I may say this thing looks really good on the outside, but what's the gross underbelly of that and the, the impact that that has on people? So again, the prophetic imagination just really helped me 
um, explore those things in a unique kind of way and made it more practical and, and applicable than just this kind of, you know, the prophet is the person who says, you know, thus saith God and, and the year 2472 or even, you know, the year 1999, the world's going to end and, you know, oh, shoot, it didn't end. So let's readjust those calculations and, but said, no, it's, it's a, there's a justice piece to this and really yeah. framed it up in a more, uh, yeah, in, in tangible way for me. Um, I would then say, uh, getting back to that character piece, David Brooks, um, The Road to Character. Uh, have you read that one? Are you familiar no, with that? Is he the uh, um, journalist? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So really fascinating guy. And uh, I've know. heard him on NPR okay. years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, the concept that he talks in there is about is eulogy virtues versus resume virtues. Yes. Okay. So I've heard, heard him talk, talk about, about that. that. Yeah. But, and then he's written another book titled The Second Mountain, but it's... You know, he's really looking at these bigger picture kinds mm-hmm. of things to say, yeah, there may be a season of life where we are trying to build those resume virtues, and that's okay. Let's just be honest about that rather than trying to pretend that we're not doing that. Um, but what's, if we can what's keep the name of that book, uh, the road to character. So if we can keep those eulogy virtues, and and one of the things I didn't talk about is, and a big motivator for me is, my father passed away. So incredible entrepreneur impactful guy, great example, husband, father, uh, mentor, leader, uh, entrepreneur, uh, but passed away from colon cancer at age 49. And so to me, sitting here at 42, almost 43, you know, to me, it says, hey, I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. So instead of waiting until someday, I'll, I'll focus on character. Someday I'll focus on those eulogy virtues, like 16 people begged to eulogize him yeah, at age wow. 49. He had Jeez. that kind of effect and impact. And it wasn't because he held prominent titles. It wasn't because yeah. he made much of himself. It was because Starbucks was his second office. You know, he sat and met with people one-on-one, mentored, coached, listened to them, supported them, and helped them succeed. And, you know, his employees, but but also... You know, he had Starbucks baristas showing up at at his funeral and saying, you know, this man made a difference in my life. So to me, it's like, wow. and maybe that's part of that belief strength as well. But like, how do I, and, and, and even the books that I'm mentioning, you know, are kind of more future vision. What are we ultimately aiming at? Because I think we have to get that straight or else the buttons on our shirts, you know, the buttons of our lives are going to be misaligned and kind of look kind of janky. So if I'm aiming toward this thing, then I can backfill and say, what are the things that are going to direct me and guide me toward that? And then the last book I would say, um, because I think it it forces you to do a bit more of that introspection, even though it is more of a leadership development book, but uh, Leadership from the Inside Out by Kevin Cashman. It's one of the books we use as part of our Leadership from Within series. And uh, I take groups through it all the time, but I read through the book every single time just because it's good reminders to me of... Um, eight areas of kind of leadership mastery as he describes them. And just they're kind of timeless principles are these things that we've mm-hmm. talked about that like as creative and as inventive as we try to be and dress it all up and, and make it look, you know, sexy and flashy, like these things still, the people matter, the, the ability to know our purpose and core values, the ability to be resilient, to, um, have some of that interpersonal dynamic to coach ourselves and coach others uh, to know our story. That's actually one of the, the chapters he added in the third edition was story mastery. Do I know my story? Do I Am I comfortable in kind of that origin and just, you know, what has shaped me to become who I am? So, yeah, I think, I think that would just be a good 
good reminder to uh what's the author uh, kevin cashman is his name yeah so again i'm i'm probably too theoretical i should have thought uh, a little bit about you know how to survive on a desert island well no it's good i mean this that's why i think it's such an interesting uh interesting question because Mm it you start talking about these things you're like oh well you know from different angles and you see what's going on in your head Mm -hmm. and so forth. I love it. I think well, no, and, and it was interesting because I was thinking about like, okay, so we've done some work in the diverse equity inclusion space, and I know that's so politicized now. And I'm like, what was the book that really, like, put me on a trajectory to explore that and and be curious about that, want to learn more? And it was like that was the prophetic imagination. That wasn't, you know, that that was kind of scripture that was focusing on that prophetic voice of like, it wasn't some pop culture. You know, this is important now. It was yeah. no, this is the right thing to do like fundamentally to what I believe and, and my core values is yeah. are, are my choices and decisions impacting things on a broader global scale and, and an organization that I'll just throw in there as an added bonus that we've been really involved with for the past 20 years is uh, Interge- international justice mission. And they, they're the largest, the world's largest anti-trafficking uh, organization. You know, there's a movie out right now. I can't remember what it's called, but everybody's talking about it. Sound of Freedom, I think is the mm-hmm. title of it. You know, it's about this anti or the, you know, human trafficking. Yeah, yeah, sure. And people are like, you got to go see it. And I'm like, I've been to Guatemala and met with the, the director of law enforcement and met with the IJM staff on the ground there who are doing this work day in, day out. Like, this isn't something new to me. We have more people in bonded slavery today than we did during the whole transatlantic trade or uh, slave trade and all that you know like so this is a this is a moral imperative things that we need to be paying attention to and so anyhow yeah i'll I'll get off my soapbox there but i just do think these are some of those things that it's like Mm. how do we get back to the deeper roots of these kinds of things instead of allowing them to kind of stay in this political space that polarizes and and even in the workplace i think people are like you know i'm seeing a lot of Kind of, again, Homer Simpson into the hedge kind of approach of like DEI, we tried that and that didn't go so well. You know, now people are labeled racist. Now people are labeled woke and all these different things. So we're just going to kind of slink back. No, you know, we need to find better ways and creative ways of engaging some of these conversations and realize that we have different perspectives on this and, yeah. and the impact that it has. But um, we, we still have to stay engaged. Yeah, so, yeah. that's great interesting stuff like i have never had anybody list any of these five books <laughs> that i nope. and, and i've asked i asked people sitting around campfires like when i'm on a camping trip with eight or ten guys and we're often you know in the middle of west virginia or minnesota or alaska or wherever and like you know at some point i'm like huh well i have to throw out some question because you know it gets things going yeah. Nobody has ever mentioned these five books. <laughs> well, I'm, like, again, I'm probably showing a little bit of my, uh, you know, seminary training and theological basis. But yeah, again, well, to me, it's... what makes you, makes you tick. Yeah. And I think it's, it's like you said, we got to get down to some of those core yeah. kinds of things. And to me, that's what intrigues me in the work is if we're going to spend 110,000 hours of our lives doing this thing called work... Let's be intentional about it. Let's be reflective about it. Let's yeah. think about the, yeah, again, the the agent of, of world benefit that this can be and, and think about, sure, yeah, there is a, a profit and a, a, a money aspect to this. And, and I, I don't think it has to be a both and. I think it can be profitable yeah. 
and can also make a significant sure. impact in the lives of others. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, well, thanks for being uh, so uh, such a uh, can-do guy here on our podcast today. We've had some good, really good combos. I would love to have you come back and talk about some more stuff. Yeah. Um, maybe talk more about practically how to develop leaders mm. you know um all my clients that is a huge miss yeah. right, where they don't know it's hard to it's hard for them it's and i'm trying to get them to identify what does leadership mean mm-hmm. how's that different from managing yep how's that different from holding people accountable yeah and um build some how-tos around okay. there some real practical mm-hmm. stuff so i'd love to get your insight on some of that and Happy talk about talk about your uh, five favorite movies. Ooh, okay. <laughs> That's funny. I was just at a cookout the other night, and someone asked, what's your favorite movie? And I'm like, I don't know that I... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. I'd have to think deeply about that. It's changed. You know, I used yeah. to have, like, ready answers back sure. in the sure. you know days when you had to know your favorite sports yes. player, or your favorite athlete, your favorite, you know, in each sport, yeah. and you had to know your favorite, favorite albums. Yeah, your favorite yeah. albums. Oh, yeah. Kind of like... That's a good one. That's yeah. another one yeah. I throw uh-huh. out. Okay. Top yeah. five, like, albums. And, you know, it's a... It's kind of a generational thing where, like, mm-hmm. you mean you mean you mean Spotify channels, right? You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sure. What's an album? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I always let yeah. people know. You know, I grew up in a little bit of a, a more sheltered environment, so my first like breakthrough into the you know secular music was Sh- uh, Shaquille O'Neal's rap album. Oh, oh wow! Uh, which you know is just lyrical genius. Uh, so you know if you're looking for something, <laughs> that's amazing. So so I was I was kind of yeah. s- like level set with that to say like I'm not the person you want to talk to about yeah, like yeah, really yeah. deep rich music. Yes. Like that was my starting point. That's so really funny. it's pretty much anything's better. You than know, that. William Shatner had a had like a, yeah. a spoken word yeah. kind of album. It's on YouTube. <laughs> It's, and it's, I heard it on a yeah. couple of different stations. Yeah, but did he use lyrics like, creamy like cheese spread you on my bagel, like Shaq did? You know, I mean, I don't know. Nope. No. Nope. I don't is, think that so. That is lyrical brilliance. So <laughs> check it out, everybody. Wow. <laughs> we digress. <Man>. Wow. <laughs> well, Shane, pull up our song there. Uh, speaking of lyrical genius, you know. Uh, so, oh, that's so good. great great combo, man. <laughs> yeah. No, I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me on. And, yeah, I uh, yeah, hope it's been helpful yeah. to those who are listening Again. and engaging. Hey, this is the wrong song. That's kind of cool, right. though. Which song is this? I Sounds great. This Modern corner? Day. Pull up some Shaq Diesel, man. <laughs> it sounds kind of cool, though. Is this Foreigner? I don't think yeah. it is. Isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Huh. Must be new. They're the new guy. Happy Accident. What's uh? What's the uh, when was it? It's gotta be from 1979. It's from their album. All right. Well, good talking with you, buddy. Yep. Thanks. Appreciate it. See you later. <laughs>